0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Deuteronomy 2, verse number 14, uh, to the disappointment of anybody, I'm not embarking on a series right now. Uh, this evening, unless the Lord sees differently uh, in this, but I, I just want to minister uh, something to us this evening from the Word of the Lord. Verse number fourteen uh, is going to be our only verse for our scripture reading here this evening. The Bible says, "And the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was thirty and eight years." Until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord swear unto them. I want you to latch your attention, if you will, on a second phrase there. Until all the generation of the men of war were wasted. If I can just stop right there for a little while. And I need the Holy Ghost to help us this evening. I'd like to minister this. The the phraseology is usually this, but this isn't my subject. I'm kind of twisting it just a little bit. The phraseology is said, don't waste the years in your life. But I want to twist that just a little bit and preach, don't waste the life in your years. Don't waste the life in your years. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Father, I come to You. I'm praying, God, that You would bring every thought unto captivity. God, I understand, Lord Jesus, the peculiarness, Lord Jesus, of the events of tonight. God, perhaps the lack of certain ones, Lord, among us. But God, Your Spirit, Lord, is still rich and it is real. And you are the reason, Father, for our gathering together. The reason for our songs and our praise and our worship. The reason, God, even for the simplistic ministering of this word. I pray, oh God, tonight touch my mind, touch my lips. Mark any air from my mouth. I pray, Lord, that you would give me acceptable words to be able to speak, Lord, to this group of people. God, let the subject matter, the idea be conveyed and understand Manner, God, let it touch a heart or a life, God, whether it be one or whether it be ten. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, let the spirit and the anointing of God, Lord, before we leave this place to rush into this place like a rushing mighty wind, let there be a sound from heaven, God, that would interrupt, Lord Jesus, our lives right here in this service and make itself fest in this house. God, we need you, Lord, right now. We beckon unto you, O oh Lord. Be welcome here tonight, God, in your own house, God, in your own assembly, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't waste the life in your years. Don't waste the life in your years. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy opens here with a little bit of a reflection. A reflection of the children of Israel coming to a very close entry spot into the promised land. And it recounts really about 38 years in just a few verses and brings us to where we are in verse number 14. And sadly, the uh, account of Scripture is that they had traveled from a place known as Kadesh Barnea until they come over the brook Zered, which was at the south end of the Dead Sea. And it was 38 years that that journey had taken, seemingly. Deuteronomy opens and tells us and starts us right here that what should have been an 11-day journey from Kadesh Barnea to Canaan had taken and had been some 38, what we know a totality of, of 40 years. And the Bible tells us of a phrase there that print me on my heart this week in the beginning of the week whenever it's said about these 38 years that it took them to get from Kadesh Barnea to the Brook Zered, the Bible says until all the generation of the men of war everybody say the men of war the men of war were wasted out from among the hosts, as the Lord swear unto them the men of war whenever you begin to talk about men of war You are talking about men, an individual, a person that is probably in the best condition of their life. You're talking about an individual. Whenever we talk about men of war, we're talking about the ages of men who were able-bodied men in the prime of their life. Whenever Scripture spoke of a man of war, he was a man that was categorized as being 20 years and upward, that was able to fight or fit to fight or go to war. Their numbers in the second month of their Second year, we're talking about the 40th, 38th year here now, but those in the second month of the second year, the numbers of the men of war were around somewhere around 603,550 individuals. And these were people that were at the peak of their life. Their strength, their agility... All of the sensory elements of having good ears and good eyes to see with and good hands to handle with were at their peak. The men of war are those that are in the span of their life where they can make their mark, if you will, on the pages of time. If they're ever going to do anything that they'll be able to look back upon and say there was a great accomplishment, it's going to be whenever they are termed a man or a person of War. They are the men of war. The people that are at that stage of life, they're eager to prove themselves as a matter of fact the 20 years prior to this has been nothing but a grooming ground it's been a time to groom them and prepare them for a special purpose and a special task whenever they would become a man of war it is the moment in time being a man of war was a moment of time that that individual would put in practice what they have learned they were the mighty men men of war men of war throughout scripture i'm talking about tenacious people i'm talking about people with a drive people with great physical ability a sharp mind scripture records men of war as being the men that brought back home the spoils men of war were people that brought back the silver and the gold and the goats and the camels and all various types of livestock those people that brought those things back were those who were considered the men of war. The men of war are those that are in David's time that are spoken of as being those who went after those who burnt Ziklag and had taken their sons and their daughters and their families. It was the men of war that was spoken of. Whenever it said they recovered all, that happened through the hands and by virtue of the men of war. It was the men of war that would have in the future from the stage that we started tonight that would have the assignment. The Bible says Joshua would order the men of war to be the ones that would walk around Jericho once each day and on the seventh day seven times. They didn't just give that responsibility to anybody. They gave that to the men of war. People who were sharp. People who knew how to keep rank. People who were in good physical condition that could could, could just somehow bear the heat of where they were. That was given to the men of war. Those who were trying to secure the first fruits of the victory of their promised land. That was done by the men of war. Men of war are men that can keep rank. Men of war are people that are fit for battle. Men of war are those that are uh, considered and characterized as a man who could handle a shield and a buckler. they could characterize men of war as those whose faces were like the faces of Lions, men of war, were those that were swift as roes, just swift and agile upon the mountains. That was a man of war. Someone say, "Amen." But in our scripture setting tonight, when we understand a man of war to be at his best, mentally, emotionally, physically best, being able to do great exploits as history and Scripture relays to you and I the sad commentary on the Scripture concerning the men of war of these generations was this is that the men of war were wasted the men of war were cast away the word wasted tonight means to wear away or diminish gradually, to lose or cause to lose weight strength and vitality in other words over a period of time of 38 and 40 years in a wilderness these men when they first approached the promise were men of great vitality men of great strength men that were very swift but through the process of years they were wasted and along with being wasted and dying in the wilderness and having another funeral in the wilderness along with all of that their strength waned their abilities waned Agility waned. Their ability to gather and spoil anymore wasn't there, and it was just wasted. It was just if I could say cast away. Right. Someone say amen. amen. If you'll turn with me this evening to Second Samuel nineteen, I believe there is an individual in Scripture that could somehow understand what happened. That what happens whenever you don't take advantage of the prime of your life. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 19, and you can pilfer through verses 31 through 37, the Bible speaks of an individual by the name of Barzillai. Amen. He's not a real notable known person in Scripture. But Barzillai, amen, had came uh, to King David whenever he was trying to get away from his son Absalom who was trying to set up a throne and call himself king. And after Absalom had died, after Absalom was wasted away, King David, having left Jerusalem, is now coming back to Jerusalem. And one of the men that would meet him would be this man by the name of Barzillai. The Bible says that Barzillai, in verse number 32, was a very aged man. He was four score years old. He's, he's, a, he's an old man. He's 80 years old. an 80 year old man and the king says unto Barzillai in verse 33 he says come thou over with me and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem and Barzillai said unto the king how long Have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? He says, I am this day fourscore years old, and I can discern, and I can, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden to my Lord the king? What Barzillai was saying, he's saying, I'm 85, I'm rather, I'm 80 years old. I'm an old man. And you're asking me to come with you and to sit at your table and eat savory meat and to hear the music of the palace be played and you're asking me to come and maybe for counsel to discern even perhaps what is best or what is good. He says, but I'm an old man. I wish I knew about this years ago. I wish that this came to me when I was in the prime of my life. I wish I had this opportunity whenever I was just a young man. He says, but now I can't even discern right from wrong. I can't even hear the music if you were to play it in my presence. I can't even, if you will, taste the meat if it would be the best that there ever was savory before me what barzalea i was saying hey i've lived a long time but whenever i look over my life to have this great opportunity at this segment of my life i wish it would have come a whole lot earlier i got a lot of wasted time a lot of wasted years I i can't even enjoy what i could that you're extending to me right now because life has already happened I'll get it out here in a minute, folks, but I've come to somehow bring someone's awareness to mind that the Just in our physical bodies. There is a time. There is a window of time in your life. Amen. Where you can do things that you'll never be able to do again. You'll be able to walk. You'll be able to. Your strength. Your mind is clear. That you can do things perhaps. Amen. Right now. That you will not be able to do in the future. And I'm trying to tell somebody. In the realm of the church. And in the realm of the spiritual work. That you need to take advantage of the life. That you have in these years. Don't wait to look over your shoulder when you're 80 years old and be wishing, I wish I could run around that church now. If you're 17, you better take advantage of running around the church now. Don't waste a life that's in your years. I don't know if I'm preaching maybe with some of the elderly tonight, but that's all right. We got to hit every segment of our church. Don't you ever get to a place that you become gray and white-headed and say, you know what? I tell you what, my heart would really like to go out on outreach. I'd really like to be able to walk the streets and knock on doors, but what's happened? I'm just a little uh, decrepit. I'm old. There's parts of my body that hurt. Don't get to a place somewhere in life that you live in the church all these years and you become old and you have some regrets about what you should have done, about how the ministry you should have been involved with, how you should have knocked on doors then. Oh God, help me right now. Don't waste the life in your years. Barzillahi, he says, hey, I can't hear none of this stuff. So I'll just be a burden. He says, I'm just going to go over just a little ways and then I'm going to return back to my own city. He says, and I'm going to, I'm going to die right there. Barzillai understood what it meant to waste some life in his years. We waste a lot of life in our I was in this church today and I've been struggling with this for the past couple of days what I'm bringing to you tonight and I was praying in this sanctuary and I sat back there back by that back post and I sat there and I just grew silent in the sanctuary and there was no one here nothing going on it was so peaceful and I looked around began to look around at the pews and tears started flowing down my face and I even thought to myself mom I said I'm 34 years old almost 30 I'll be 35 next year And according to the life that God gives, appointed to man in Scripture is 70. I said, Half my life is over. Have I done anything to make an impact? Am I doing anything that's going to make an eternal impact? Tears flowed down my eyes, Sister Craig. And I was just telling myself, still just not doing enough. Why? Why? because I don't want to waste the life that's in my years stay with God because if you don't you'll waste the life that's in your years in Luke 15 and verse 13 the Bible says in not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country this is the prodigal and there Wasted his substance with riotous living. There's a few things that amazes me about this. And that is, the prodigal son couldn't manage his life any better than what he thought his dad could. Let me say it like this. He couldn't manage his life any better, let's switch terms, than what he thought God could. Number two, he wasted his substance. He went to dad and he said, Give me that which is mine. That would be his inheritance, what he would get if dad died. He said, Give me everything that is mine, his inheritance from his father. And what did he do with it? Wasted it. The children of Israel, the generation from, from Egypt, you know what they did with the inheritance that God said was theirs? They wasted it 40 years in a wilderness. Only being able to see and never being able to touch. Only being able to speculate, but never really having the reality of the experience in their life. Lastly, it tells me this, that there's a very clear and good picture to make. That a fact is evident: that life lived outside of God's will is a wasted life. God's will for the inhabitants that were of Egypt—that were but should have went to the Promised Land. His will was possess it, live there, sow crop, reap it, eat of it. <laughs> but because of their disobedience, because of them drawing back, all they would have would be what they could get in a wilderness experience. I'm talking about wasted things. Things that diminish. Things that are cast away. Oh, if Ruth could do things over and speak to us from the past, she would have never went to Moab. If Ruth could stand up today and give her testimony she would tell you that when she went to Moab she lost her husband she lost her two sons she lost a lot of things ten years and then she returned to Bethlehem Judah but those ten years that she spent in Moab were gone they could never be recalled they could never be relived they were just wasted life that was in her ears if Ruth could speak today, that's what she would say. The Bible tells us in Luke 9, and verse 25, it says, "For this is a common verse, for what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? In other words, what does a man gain? Amen. What does a man gain? Amen. Advantage if he gains the whole world and lose himself. And if I may interject, or be wasted what What? What does it matter ladies and gentlemen we could go today amen and I don't know how all this is going to fit together tonight but we could go today to the Dead Sea amen the Dead Sea are felt by by many of the experts amen that they've just uh, in recent years brought up submerged under the waters of the Dead Sea the remains of Sodom and the remains of Gomorrah and the villages that clustered around those cities there at the southern part of the Dead Sea right there at the Dead Sea are the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah and my mind begins to rehearse the story of a man a man of Sodom and Gomorrah who went there by the name of Lot the Bible says in Genesis 13 and verse 10 and Lot this is after they came from Egypt Abraham has Lot has there's some uh, there's some uh, uh, confusion and arguments between the herdsmen and now they're going to choose which path they're going to go Amen and Abraham's given Lot the 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 choice to choose first. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. I'm talking to you tonight about wasting life in your years. Don't do it. Lot looked out and he seen the well watered plains of Jordan he likened it to two things number one he likened it unto the garden of the Lord and he also likened it unto the land of Egypt in other words this wet plain area of Jordan looked unto Lot as though it were like Egypt Egypt that place of materialism that place of commercialism that place if you will of easy wealth it looked like a place to him but it didn't just look like that it also looked like the garden of the Lord that when we talk about the garden of the Lord the garden of Eden in the very beginning it's always indicative in the scriptures as being that place of divine fellowship divine communion with God as Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day and he had had conversation with them, it was the place where the heart and the fellowship with God took place. and whenever Lot seen the plains of Jordan, the wet plains of Jordan, he says that looks like that looks like the land of Egypt and that looks like the garden of the Lord. In other words, that city looked like a place where he could have both. It appeared to him that that place, He could never see this anywhere else, that that place was a place where he could have both. It was a place where he could have some easy living, a place where he could advance himself, a place where he could have all the cultural advances of the city and yet still have fellowship with God. (laughs) And as a result of it, the Bible says, Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. He says, because honey, if I can get a melding of a place where I can have both, wouldn't that be fantastic? And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You can follow the story. The Bible later says that he dwelt in Sodom. It later says that he sat in the gate at Sodom. And to be sitting at the gate of Sodom, that just wasn't a place where you had coffee in the morning. If you were one who was sitting at the gate of Sodom, that meant you was the magistrate of the city or the governor or the mayor of the city. In other words, Lot came in as a nobody and rose to the high acclaim of being the governor and the mayor of Sodom. Yet when the angels come to him and said, Get out of here. God's going to destroy this. Lastly, the word speaks of Lot being in Sodom. That Lot lingered in Sodom. Sodom here he is he spends a good portion of his life in a place where he thought he could have both worlds in a place where he thought he could do both things in a place where he thought he could do whatever he wanted and still have fellowship with God but how much did Lot gain out of all that? Someone say, man, how much did Lot gain? Go ahead and go back to the Dead Sea. If an airplane could take us there and get right there on the shore of the Dead Sea and you look over that lifeless, that that that, that waste, that lowest, most desolate spot on all the earth, 1,300 feet below sea level and listen to those lifeless waves clap upon the beach of the water there and it's nothing but Breathing death, death, death. Nothing grows there. Nothing lives there. Nothing moves there. It's a forsaken valley. And that's where Sodom and Gomorrah ruins are, right there in the dead. How much did you gain, Lot? Wasting your life and your years in a compromising place where you thought you could have both worlds at the same time. He lost it all. He lost everything failure of a man happened right there he wasted the life that was in his years his wife is now just a pillar of salt and his two daughters played him during moments of lewdness and gave birth to two boys Moab and Ammonite who would become two sects of people that would be very horrific lot lost it all he wasted a lot of life in his years all the generation of the men of war were wasted I'm not trying to fight you over it in other words this evening that colossal strength listen to me of those men of war that should have been used to drive out the inhabitants of the land was wasted on the assaults that they received from the trials in their wilderness. That swift agility that should have been used for gathering supplies for their fresh start and harness themselves to plow their own field in their new land was spent on the rigors of a yearly route through the mountainous terrain in the wilderness among their forty years. While these men were men of war, the best physically, the best mentally, well, they should have been on the top of their game. They had settled for a prolonged processional to their funeral and to their death. Someone say wasted was wasted and why was it wasted because they didn't see themselves as God saw them they simply accepted that this could not be possessing the promise cannot be therefore it never would be for them if you turn to Numbers 33 and you begin to read Numbers 33 When the spies were sent into the land to check out the promise that God told them to have and to take. Whenever you read this, he's telling them to seek certain things. Seek out the land. See what it is. See whether it be good or bad. See whether it be fat or lean. See whether it has wood or not. See see whether or not bring forth the fruit of the land when you return. Don't just look at the land, but look at the people. He told him to do this. Look at the people. See whether they be strong or whether they be weak. See if they be few or see whether they be many. Don't just do that, but look at the cities there in the land and tell us whether or not they have tents or whether or not they have strongholds. And the Bible says that all these men come back and they have their rep- Reports ready the twelve that entered into the land in Numbers chapter number 13 and whenever they came back the Bible begins to tell us about the report and that truly it is a land as God has spoken that floweth with milk and with honey and here is the fruit of the land and they had the two men come forward with the staff in between them that held one cluster of grapes upon that staff and they said nevertheless now listen there is nothing Wrong with what they're saying right here because this is the report that they asked for. How, what is the land like, the people like, and the cities like? And so they went on and said, Nevertheless, the people are strong. The people, I want to know if they were strong or weak. They said, The people are strong that dwell in the land. And yes the cities are walled They they are strongholds They are very great And we've seen the children of Anak there We've seen some giants in the land They're reporting as they should report There's a lot of people There's strong people There's some giants There's strongholds But the land is very good It's very fat It is if you will Here's the fruit We brought some portions of the fruit Here it all is And whenever all that's being said There's one man out of the twelve That steps to the forefront and Numbers 13 and 30 and the Bible says and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it we've heard the report they're big, they're large, they're many they're strong cities the land's good, the fruit's great let's go and possess what God said possess let's go up at once Then, whenever Caleb said that Caleb did by no means reduce the strength of the people that were in the land. He didn't lessen the numbers in order to make everybody that were of Israel to think, hey, the odds are forest." That's not what he said. He never even denied that the cities were fortified and that they were strongholds. He just said, we are well able. If I can say it like this, we are men of war. We are well able, we are men of war to overcome it. Whenever he said the word overcome, that denoted to everybody, hey, there is opposition. Hey, there is going to be some struggle involved. Hey, there is some strong people. Yes, we've heard of the fortified cities and numerous inhabitants, but we're men of war. We're at the top of our game. We're the best mentally. We're the best in our strength. There will never perhaps be another time like this in our life. We need to take advantage of what's going on right now but voices would rise and say we cannot we cannot take the land they didn't want to take the land Because there were fortified cities. They didn't want to take the land because there were strong people there. They didn't want to take the land because of all, there there were many people that were there. Amen. But there was also just some fruit that was unseen of and a goodness that was unheard of. Can I tell you today that sometimes the path to good, sometimes the path to the honey and the milk flowing, amen, lies in a path, amen, where there are strongholds. Sometimes the blessing is in your trial. Uh Sometimes the sweet spot is right through a host of vicious rivals that are coming against you. But the ten were not willing to endure the struggle to get to the surplus. They shied away, if you will, from the trouble never to embrace the triumph that God had planned for them. They would rather tread the same ground For 40 years, listen now, tread the same ground for 40 years and never be the closer to owning it rather than to cross over. And as Joshua spoke in the first book of Joshua, that every place that the sole of their foot would tread upon, God said, that have I given unto you. Not will give, but I've given. To you, it's yours. Possess it. So they would rather tread upon land for forty years they would never have no ownership of, than go across and tread upon ground that's theirs. I might get to a message before it's all said. Henry Ford said this. This is what we need to adopt. He says, "I'm looking for a lot of men." who have an infinite capacity to not know what can't be done. Because the voice will always tell you in your life, life, the church, society, what can't be done in their estimation. What can't be done. The Bible said in Numbers 13, 33, in that same chapter, it says, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come, Of the Giants important phrase was we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight that last phrase is a telling phrase we were in our own sight as grasshoppers no one told them was a grasshopper nobody told them they were diminished nobody told them they were less powerful or weak nobody told them but they seen that in themselves they assume that in themselves and so how they viewed themselves is how they thought everybody else viewed them he says so we were in our own side as grasshoppers so we were in their side god said possess it it's yours it belongs to you bob bill in his book master planning tells about a conversation that he had with a man who trains animals for hollywood movies He asked him, he said, how is it that you can stake down, listen to me clearly, how can you stake down a 10-ton elephant with the same size stake that you use to restrain this baby elephant? It's easy, said the trainer. When they are babies, we stake them down. They tried to tug away from the stake countless times before they realized that they can't get away. At that point, the elephant memory takes over for the remainder of their lives they remain convinced that they can't get away from the stake same size stake whole different size element elephant but it just thinks to itself i cannot escape let me preach to you tonight that these people that had came from egypt these people had been slaves the parents before them had been slaves their parents before them have been slaves as a matter of fact the generation that's told to possess it to own it is a generation that as far back as they can see their families have been slaves people who were just embedded and infiltrated with no hope no dreams and for sure sister Angie Craig no ownership Somebody hear me right now. These people had a mentality because of the environment surrounding that they grew up in that there's nothing that we have that truly belongs to us. Somebody hear me right now. That the tools I use are somebody else's the land I walk on is somebody else's the food that I eat is somebody else's and seemingly even the life that I have myself it's not mine it is somebody else's they never knew what it was like to have any dreams or hopes and for sure no possession and no ownership and so here they come to the brink of the promise yes they are men of war yes they are at the top of their game yes they are able for battle yes they are fit to fight amen but they are not seeing what God is seeing God is saying possess it God is saying you are an owner I'm putting a promise of ownership into your life but they're saying my legacy and my life until this time has been telling me I'm not an owner but I'm owned somebody hear me today I'm trying to tell somebody in this congregation tonight don't waste the life in your years some of you being held hostage about who you were and where you came from believing hey that's what I was brought up in and this is the way it's only always going to be God's trying to put a promise of ownership in your life that there is a land that you can walk on that is yours there's a promise that you can't embrace that you can say is mine there is a blessing that you can feel that you can say it didn't come. Amen from anybody else, I'm not borrowing it, but it belongs to Paul McGee. Someone say amen. Yes, they were in the wilderness, but brother McGee, they ate manna from heaven in the wilderness, yes, they ate quail from heaven. Yes, they had water that came from a rock that they could drink, yes. They experienced many miracles, many wonderful blessings, but all those things were fleeting. They never experienced ownership in the wilderness. They never truly possessed anything in the wilderness. Years from now, I'm going to cast my eyes over my shoulder, Dad. Dad talk about the manna I ate from heaven about the water I had from a rock about the blessing that I experienced on such and such but I want to be able to pick up some tangible dirt, someone hear me I want to pick up some tangible dirt in the realm of the spirit and say let me tell you something this right here is mine Mm -hmm. the manna came and it went The rock that followed them followed them through the wilderness but it wasn't there when they got to the... It was there but then it was gone. But whenever they said, hey Judah, this, this and this portion of land is yours. Naphtali, this, this and this part of the land is yours. Dan, dad, this, this, this part of the land is yours. And you know what you can do? You can trace through the eons of time and that land still belongs to Dan. That land still belongs to Judah. That land, why, why, why? Because it wasn't something that that was fleeting. It wasn't something that was here today and gone tomorrow. It was something that was substantial that was gonna be there for the years. To capitalize just on the blessings that I receive around here. I want to put my stake on something that I can own. The Bible says, I'm trying to hurry in Joel 2 in verse 25. If you'll remember, the word of prophecy came and he says, And I will restore to you the years. Everybody say the years. The years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm my great army which I sent unto you if you'll remember a locust basically what is being spoken of here the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar uh, the palmer worm that's a locust in four different stages and in essence if I can bring about tonight locusts are nothing but several species of what's called short horned grasshoppers short horned grasshoppers if I could say like this he was telling them in Joel Joel he says I will restore to you the years the grasshopper have eaten because see, there was men of war of that generation that stood there that had babies under age 20. They weren't, they weren't men of war. They're under age 20. All the men of war wasted, but those 20, those 19 and below, you might say, they didn't go because mom and dad didn't go. They lost 40 years. Joe says, I'll restore to you guys the years that you old grasshopper mom and dads that said we're grasshoppers, the years that they took from you. Uh-huh. Let me skip here. Let me skip some stuff here. Because there may be some people sitting around the sound of my voice. Huh. Brother McGee, you said 20 years and upward. Huh. I'm definitely at the upward. you know what's interesting that phrase along that qualification might we say for being a man of war where you must be 20 years old and upward number two you must be able to fight or fit to fight what interests me sister Craig is there was never a cap placed on that upper age 20 years and infinity upward he never said, if you're 90, sorry, can't be man of war. You just had to meet the qualification, hear me now, that you are still able and fit to fight. Mm-hmm. Someone say hallelujah. If I can, I'll read some verses of Scripture. I don't want to bore you totally out of your gorgeous halfway. I'll read some Scripture Joshua 14. I'm going to read it because I just want us to hear it clear. They're dividing up the land now. The men of war are wasted. They're cast away. All but two that were preserved. Joshua, Caleb. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses the man of God concerning me and thee at Kadesh Barnea 40 years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart nevertheless my brethren that went up with me made their heart made the heart of the people melt but I wholly followed the Lord my God And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, Caleb's eighty-five years old now. Ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, oh, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day. You know what Caleb's saying? He said, I'm as strong this day as I was in that day of Moses. In that day at 40 years old, I was a man of war because I was above 20 and I was able and fit to fight. He says, but I'm telling you now, 45 years later, it makes me that much more above 20 years old. But I still meet the qualifications, because I am still strong, I'm still willing, I'm still tenacious, and I still have look what he says, as my strength was, then even so is my strength. Now for what? For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me. What are you saying, Caleb? He's saying, I've been walking on land that I never could possess for 40 some odd years. I've been walking on land that I could never say is mine. But God spoke something to me a long time ago that I could have something. And he says, I want to possess. I want to own. I've been a slave my whole life. I've never owned any clothes. I've never owned any shoes. I've never owned a ministry. I've never been responsible for anything. But I want to, oh, someone here me right now. I'm not going to end my life and say I've wasted the life that's in my years. I'm still strong. There's somebody that needs to arise in this house that needs to shake themselves and understand we are not going to waste the life in our years. I'm going to teach the Bible study. I'm going to teach the Sunday school class. I'm going to be there for praise and worship. I'm going to some of these gray headed saints around here because you might be above 20 but if you still got a will and you still got the strength that you want to fight God says that's a man of war they can still bring back some spoils they can still bring back some silver and gold they can still be swift in the realm of the spirit don't waste it sadly God will restore it if you think you have Or gratefully I guess he will because what Peter wasted at the judgment hall something happened at Pentecost what Saul wasted for years persecuting Christians he tried to regather as Paul with his ministry in the latter portion of his years why because he says I'm older now he says, I'm still willing to fight and I cannot waste the years the life that's in these years stand with me tonight this is not rude and crude but I'm just trying I want to be encouraging to our elderly sect of people in our church this evening thank God for them yes thank God for them there's a lot of them through their support of being in church and their support monetarily that carries the first apostolic church Mm -hmm. thank God for them you know what's interesting to me Bishop there were men of war that was younger than Caleb that wasn't eager to go forward but Caleb held strong even when he was older saying I'm still willing to do something for God let me tell you some of these older saints man take advantage of the years that's still there don't waste them talk about God at the high rise talk about him at McDonald's as you gather around and pull somebody that's an unbeliever in your conversation. Go visit those peoples in the hospital whenever they have surgeries. Don't waste. Don't waste. If I'd say to our younger group of young people, let me tell you, the clock ticks fast. And you might look over your shoulder someday and say, I've had the best of cars and a great house and I got land. But my question to you is, what type of great impact did you make for the kingdom? I asked, my, I asked myself that question today as I sat there realizing half of my life, according to Scripture, Sister Rhonda, is over. Half my life! I don't know if, you know, maybe we don't think like that in this generation. I was sitting there thinking today, you know, I'm going to die one of these days. I'm going to die. What am I going to leave behind, Sister Nancy? What am I truly going to leave behind? Motorcycle, trailer, house. When am I going to leave? Am I going to leave anything that's really worth possessing? Sobering thought for me today. I know you had to be there, one of those type of things. Let's bow our heads in this place. Don't waste the years in your life. Don't waste the years in your life. God, I love you, Jesus. Let's just pray together right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.